Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, managing editor, fightfulmma.com, the ever growing fightfulmma.com. We also have fightfulboxing.com if you're into that type of stuff. You can catch both of those over here on our YouTube. Uh, we do syndicate this on the Pro Wrestling channel here and there. But go to YouTube.com slash FightfulMMABoxing. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a thumbs up. And, of course, visit Fightful.com for all your MMA, boxing, pro wrestling news. Lots of that stuff. We are joined today on the Fightful MMA podcast by a guy who called a little bit of both of those this past week. We, we, we tell you we give him the Brock Lesnar treatment. We even moved the show for him. It didn't have anything to do with the fact that I wanted to watch Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl. <laughs> Nothing to do with that. It was because Showdown Joe was on a plane flying back from Japan. Joe, how are you? I'm doing pretty good on yourself, guys. I don't know if you moved the show on my account, but I do appreciate it uh, if that was the case. Thank you very much. Well, we, we definitely want your insight on Ryzen, and we'll be talking about that at length. We're also joined by one James Lynch. James? How you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to be back. Nice, uh, nice weather here, even though it's raining in Vancouver, but uh, not as cold as Toronto like uh, Joe has right now. Oh, we got some snow, son. We got some snow and there's more coming. Yeah, it's good to stay well, we, indoors. We got tons to talk about. UFC 232 and Ryzen 14 in particular. Uh, oh, what a big set of shows these were. But uh, let's start off right from the, the event that we didn't cover at length on the site. We do have a UFC 232 post show. Uh, but Ryzen 14, I would say, uh, an event to be remembered. And Showdown, Joe, you were there calling the fights. What was your experience like? I mean, you've been all over the place between Canada and Kazakhstan and Japan yeah. recently. Yeah, Kazakhstan and Japan within a week's time. So uh, it, it took me a day or so to get back here and realize what day it was. I, I almost missed a whole bunch of uh, different meetings and, and and phone calls and stuff like that, thinking it's the following week when it's today, tomorrow, or, or Saturday. So uh, yeah, uh, it's been it's been quite the whirlwind uh, of the holiday season for me. But uh, to say the least, uh, when it when it comes to this Ryzen fourteen event and and calling a Mayweather fight, even you know so, sometimes you just sit, I, I sit back and I'm humbled because you know not many people have called a Mayweather fight 
uh, be it an exhibition fight that was far from an exhibition fight oh, yeah. to say the least. But, uh, you know, it's, 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 James knows me very well. I mean, it's, 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 it's humbling when you realize, man, I'm just a small, I'm, I'm in a small town right now. You know, I'm not from the big city anymore. Uh, but I've always been a, a regular humble dude and realized, man, I called a Mayweather fight. How sweet <laughs> is that? So my friends are all over it. They're just like, dude, you know, you called a Mayweather fight, right? I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, wow, it's, it's kind of cool. So it was, it was, an incredible experience, and I'm sure we'll get into it more. But um, you know, Floyd's a great guy. We had a chance to talk to him afterwards, and um, it, he's different than what's generally portrayed uh, on his Instagram and by the media. I mean, behind the scenes, he's just—he's he's a quiet dude, man. He's just quiet, and he's, and he's actually funny. So, what type of interaction did you get with Floyd ahead of this this fight? I had nothing. Um, they didn't get until uh, they, they got in around the same time I did. Uh, which was just a day or so before the actual event. Uh, but they were staying at a different hotel. Uh, I don't know if people saw my Instagram video uh, or the stuff that I posted. He, he rolls with 30 people. There was 30 people in his entourage. So if you ever lost Mayweather in a crowd, just look for the bunch of people that were moving uh, from his bodyguards uh, to friends and family to his management staff. Uh, he was always rolling, you know, at least 30 deep. Um, so it, no real interaction beforehand, uh, because obviously he was secluded. And at the time when they were doing the media stuff, when Floyd did come in to do some of the media stuff, I wasn't around. Um, so that was taken care of from their end. Um, I knew enough about Floyd heading into this fight that I didn't really have to ask, ask him many questions. Uh, although I did want to ask a few, but they were answered once, uh, that fight took place afterwards, uh, much more when we were waiting, um, when everything was said and done and, and the whole, uh, countdown to New Year's was completed. Uh, we were off waiting for the bus. They made us move to a different area because the buses couldn't come in uh, and or leave until Floyd and his camp left because they had a bunch of vehicles and stuff there. Uh, so they moved us upstairs and we waited for the bus there. And as we were waiting for the bus, you could hear the rumbling of, of, of people coming in and out. And lo and behold, there was Floyd uh, you know, behind his two security guards. Uh, and he stopped and he saw us and just had a quick conversation about you know, taking the fight, competing. Um, you know, I almost... It's kind of weird, but I felt like he felt guilty uh, for what happened. Um, I don't think he was actually expecting a, a first-round knockout in that manner. He went in there full-blown thinking, you know what, we're going to entertain the fans and do a three-round fight and exhibition, quote-unquote exhibition. And as soon as, you know, Tenshin Nasukawa threw that hard left hand, it was, Floyd's hands went up and it was game on from there and, you know, didn't last long. So, James, I'm assuming you've seen the fight by now? Yes, I have, yeah. That was something, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah. In particular, that second knockdown was was particularly brutal, uh, a vicious uppercut that I thought was the highlight of this exhibition. Tenshin Nasakawa is the the rising golden boy. That That's what he is. He's, he's a guy that, uh, 20 years old, he was, I, I don't want to say, uh, I had some people saying 30-pound difference. It was a 10-pound difference based on the weigh-ins the, the day before. But he's a 20-year-old who has competed, gosh, I, I think, I can't even count how many times already for Ryzen. Four MMA fights, I think four or five kickboxing fights, uh, beat Kyoji Horiguchi in a kickboxing fight, who is another one of their, their top stars. It's clear that Ryzen, at the very least, are not concerned about protecting these guys at the very top because they've already matched up Horiguchi in a, in a situation where it did not favor him. Then they meant they match up the guy who beat him in a situation that did not favor him. What did you think when you saw this fight? 
I, I think they're really trying to focus on the North American market. And I think that you, you know, the fact that these guys, you know, like you said, not Nasakawa didn't win, but it's the fact that people know about him now. I mean, he's always going to be that guy, at least from the super casual MMA fans is the guy who fought Floyd Mayweather. So I think it, and to some degree, um, you know, it's just about getting their names out there. I think even the Horiguchi fight is the same thing, but uh, as far as the, the, you know, the match itself, I mean, you know, you you're, you got Floyd Mayweather taking on, you know, one of the the you know up and comers. But if anything, I mean, we knew that Mayweather wasn't going to go go into a situation where he would look bad in any sort of way. So the result isn't surprising. I'm not here going to you know going to throw out the conspiracy theories like like everyone has because you know a fight this high profile. There's always people you know throwing out their own theories. But I mean, I watched it. I was entertained. I thought it was you know it was good. And and I don't you know I I'm not I don't subscribe to this theory of you know because Nasukawa lost or you know any of these other things that like somehow that like hurts him i think if anything people know who he is more and that was that was accomplished joe your thoughts as this fight unfolded walk us through it well i mean from the national anthems which is a first for me uh the japanese national anthem and the american national anthem and floyd sort of being floyd just walking around and um he wasn't disrespecting uh either national anthem but you know he was he was starting to get in the zone and you know eventually when the uh introductions were made and, and the fight started you know, I, I made it clear with, you know, pe- people ask me about my introduction of, of Nasukawa and my introduction of Floyd as they were making their way to the ring. Uh, that wasn't scripted. I, I had no idea what I was going to say. I didn't even know anything. I just said, you know what, I'm going to enjoy the moment. And right before Nasukawa was introduced, it hit me that, you know, the, you know what George St. Pierre is to Canada and what Conor McGregor is to Ireland, this kid is to Japan. And that's what came out of my mouth. And um, you know, people were looking at me going, yes, Joe. And I was like, I, that wasn't scripted. It just came out. And as that was going on, I started getting the chills thinking to myself again, um, holy smokes, I'm going to call a Mayweather fight. This is sweet. But then the professional side kicks in and it's like, you know what, make sure you keep things on point. Try not to crack any jokes, uh, make it as professional as possible. That's what you're supposed to do. And as, as the fight went on, I mean, Floyd right off the bat throwing, I don't know what that was. It wasn't a jab. It was just, he was just throwing his left hand up. Um, and in my brain at that point in time, I'm like, Floyd, you better take this seriously. This kid is fast. This kid is powerful. And he is going to do anything and everything to knock your head off into the second row. Uh, and then as soon as, as Natsukawa did throw that combination, that thing woke up Floyd and Floyd put his hands up. He realized, okay, you know what? This kid's not playing around. Let's just take care of business here. And, um, it's funny, Sean, you mentioned about, you know, the uppercut to me was the left hook. It was the left hook because, in paying attention, again, it's in real time. And when you take a look at the fact that he never really sat down on the punch or my eye wasn't quick enough to catch him actually throwing the technique, I just saw speed and power. You know, I didn't see the, the you know, what we would usually see in MMA when, when someone's like loading on their punches and throwing the left hook. It was just so fast, so quick, so beautiful. And, and I started feeling bad for Nasukawa, but part of me was like, okay, you know what? This kid's been in wars. He's, he, he'll get up and he'll figure it out. But he just went full forward. He was in, you know, in, in, in fifth gear. And he wanted to just show that he's got the, the warrior spirit and, and keep going. If his dad didn't throw in the towel, pretty sure it was his dad. But um, if they didn't throw in the towel, he would have kept going. Uh, and thankfully, they did, did throw in the towel to avoid any more damage because he got knocked down three times. But it, it, it's still – it's not a blur, guys. It is, but it's not, if you know what I'm saying. It's just so cool to be in that atmosphere and, and, and to experience that. So, I mean, I, I was looking online – at some of the videos that are out there of the fight. And some of them are at like two and a half million views and yeah. some are at a million, some are at 750,000. They're so, and I'm just like, Oh Jesus, my goodness. Wow. So let, let's walk through the fight. The first knockdown looked almost like they, like their legs clashed and it was a bit of a trip. 
What did you see there, at least from your perspective and uh, as you called the fight? Could you see the beginning of the end already there? Because No, no. <laughs> absolutely, unequivocally, no. I thought deep inside my heart, I honestly thought this was going to go three rounds. Uh, I was not expecting that to happen. I, I do understand the uh, the potential, you know, legs crisscrossing, but you could hear Floyd's punches landing. And again, he wasn't throwing full force. There was a body shot that he threw that was full force. That one, I mean, you could almost feel that one through the ring. Um, but, you know, in, in seeing what I saw, again, you, you're sitting there and you're in awe because I know what Nasukawa can do. The kid's been called a wizard. You know, that's why I mentioned that on the broadcast. He's, he throws these insane wizardry-like combinations and, and finishing moves that you can only see in video games, but he executes it with perfection. Now, he couldn't throw kicks in the spider knees or elbows or anything of that nature, but uh, knowing the skill set that he brings to the ring, I thought there was going to be some sort of combination or constant something that would try and, and confuse and, and hurt Floyd. No chance, man. It just goes to show you how amazing Mayweather actually is. And I think Conor McGregor went 10 rounds with this guy, and it leads you to believe a lot of different things, to be honest with you. But um, th- that experience, that that just it, – it's like when I used to talk about Anderson Silva back in the day, guys. It was one of those things where you think to yourself, does this guy see fighting in slow motion? Because he's seen so much over his career, and he's at such an elite level that it didn't matter what Nasakawa was going to throw. He's seen it a million times, and he knows what the body's going to do. You know, you can you can do you can talk about Henzo Gracie and Hicks and Gracie when it comes to jujitsu. They know what the human body is going to do at any one point in time, so they perfected that art. So I think Floyd uh, obviously has perfected his skill set uh, with the sweet science. James, when I knew that Mayweather meant business was that uppercut. That second uppercut, I was like, oh, this isn't going to last much longer. And Nasakawa was able to land some strikes, a couple of little combos to, to Mayweather, although that's that that does happen on occasion because Mayweather is a defensive-minded fighter. Wasn't this time. But at what point did you realize this is going to go downhill for Nasakawa very quickly? Yeah, it was right there at that first shot. I, I I felt like you could see the difference in in not only the power but also just in the speed too. And I, and I think that you know you I think we all got the sense, and I'm you know sure Joe sort of touching it there that you, you got the sense that Floyd didn't want this to drag on. That you know which is typical of his boxing fights. I know that there's more of a strategy there with the fact that boxing you know in in like a normal ring in, in North America is a little bit different. You could get the sense he wanted to finish this early, and I, I knew as soon as he was sort of landing a little bit more um, that that it was only a matter of time. And I, I think I think that's you know he wanted to do that i mean had he just won a, a decision and played it really safe i don't think people would be talking about this fight as much and i think the fact he did get a finish i think is uh is good because it's one of those things that you know i didn't pretty sure everyone's seen that clip over the last weekend it's floated around everywhere so i mean you know it's a win-win for Ryzen. we had the third knockdown a little bit a little bit funny in the visual but mayweather was able to finish tension nasakawa now tension nasakawa is a guy who despite the fact that he's 20 years old that we know of, I like to say, because this is amateur fighting, MMA, and kickboxing. He had 111 amateur fights. He had 28 pro kickboxing fights, four pro MMA fights. He's at fight like number 150 at this point. Although he's not an accomplished boxer, he's an accomplished kickboxer and MMA fighter. Joe, this was a unique situation. He was finished. That was that. And then you, then you hear it. And, and it's always going to be a thing that you hear when it comes to Japan and New Year's Eve in particular. We, we heard it about the, the Ishii and uh, Fedor fight uh, years ago, too, which was, was curious in its timing. We'll talk about that in a bit. 
it's a work. It's fake. It was scripted. I can't believe that people would be this dumb to suggest that Ryzen would fix a fight that I I don't know how to say it. Quite frankly, embarrassed Tenshin Nasakawa to some degree. If you were going to work this, you would have him throw one kick. Floyd Mayweather would leave the ring. The subsequent groups with them would engage in a big brawl. And you'd say, oh, okay, sorry, this this soured. Let's move on. That is the ultimate Japan finish. I, I, I'm shocked that people saw this. Did you know that people were going to react this way? Because it, it almost always comes. Oh, yeah, 100%. No ifs, ands, or buts, but I try not to focus on it because no matter what, um, you can pick any UFC belt that happened before that. You know, John Jones and Alexander Gustafson was fixed because they want to get Daniel Cormier. And there's so many different variables and fights that people will look at and say, that was fixed, it was scripted. I mean, I assure you, I can tell you right off the bat, uh, that was not a fixed fight based on what I saw with my own eyes and what I called. So... Uh, I knew the conspiracy theorists were going to come out there, you know, whatever, dude, all the power to them. It's it's no different than uh, the flat earthers and stuff like that. Everyone's got their opinion and everyone's got, you know, that's fine. It's cool. From my perspective, uh, I didn't see it as a work. Uh, I saw a very skilled individual in Floyd Mayweather's skill set and level on a completely different um, level than his opponent, who I thought was absolutely, uh, a fa- it's still, I still do think he's a fantastic fighter, but Again, it just shows you that there's so many different levels. Even when I was talking to some of the guys uh, that competed on the card, you know, with Johnny Case and John Crouch and Ray Longo, and they they just simply said it just goes to show you the different levels there are in striking. And you know what we saw from a boxing perspective is is it's hard to even put into words. I guess it's just it's magical to say the least. But going back to your question in terms of conspiracy theorists and fixing this and it's Japan and blah, blah. I totally expect it. it does, and I, I haven't lost any sleep over it whatsoever. So no one told me it was going to be a fix and no one told me or presented me with a script as to what's going, what was going to happen. So, yeah. James, I mean, th- this talk comes every once in a while. The, the most <laughs> prominent accusations of fix by casual fans that I had ever saw was Anderson Silva, Forrest Griffin, another situation that did not make sense. Uh, <laughs> UFC scripting their ultimate fighter one winner, one of their most marketable stars that they've ever had, quite frankly, to get beat. Also doesn't make sense for Ryzen to pay Floyd Mayweather all this money to embarrass their one of their poster child. It just doesn't make sense from a marketing perspective. doesn't make sense. Uh, what did you think of those accusations? Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. We we were missing sort of the bigger ones in Bellator. Like you had the whole Chael Sonnen and Tito Ortiz exactly. thing where people are like, there's that. Um, the Hoist Gracie, Ken Shamrock. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of examples that you could sort of look at here. But like you said, in what business interest does it help? If anything, if Floyd lost... It would it would look better for business, uh, you know. Had had Floyd lost because they Floyd's not with the promotion. This was a one off. So um, yeah, I, I mean, you're you're gonna have people like that. And, and let's you know, and I'm not trying to call anyone out here, but I mean, Rory McDonald had that tweet out yesterday where he's saying, ah, something you know didn't look right to me. Like that stuff doesn't help. Like it's fine if like you know Joe Troll is out there saying this, but when you have you know someone like Rory, it kind of it just looks bad. I get people saying it looked a little weird, but come on, like you have to look at the optics of this and clearly it doesn't benefit Ryzen any, any way to have Floyd win, uh, especially when he's, you know, he's coming in for 9 million a fight. He's not staying with the promotion. This is Tenshin Nasakawa. It's not Shannon Rich or Sean, Sean Salmon or Bob Sapp, who 
I, I don't know what you would call what, what he does. He goes to places without commissions, gets hit once, and falls over. I mean, savvy, I guess, but I don't think it was scripted. I don't think it was fixed. I just think that a guy who fought a guy who was way better at boxing, one guy who was way better at boxing, was 10 pounds heavier, a much larger man, arguably maybe still the greatest boxer in the world. You could you could argue maybe a Lomachenko, but beat up a guy who is not a pro boxer. That's what happened. And there's nothing wrong with that. And Tenshin Nasakawa will be absolutely fine. And if I were him, I would be calling out Floyd Mayweather for kickboxing fights, whether Mayweather accepts or not, you still got to do it. You still got to say, I came into your world, come into my world. I won't even say, I won't even throw strikes. I'll just grapple because Tenshin Nasakawa would tap out Floyd Mayweather in under two minutes. And he is not one known for that. Uh, Joe, any, any final thoughts on the Mayweather situation? Could we see him working with Ryzen again? What, what type of vibe did you get from Ryzen about his, his appearance there? Um, I don't know if he'll work together with Ryzen again. I know he, he really enjoys, he, he was really impressed with the, with the, with the promotion uh, and the overall show and the spectacle and how they, uh, they treat the fighters. He was very uh, candid about that. What I don't know about Floyd right now is because, to my understanding, is this whole exhibition thing uh, may be a consistent, may, may be ongoing uh, until he wants, I, mean, I think he wants that Pacquiao fight again. Uh, I think that'll be his 51st fight if he does come out of retirement. But uh, if that doesn't come to fruition, I think they do want to do some more exhibition fights uh, globally. Uh, I don't know where. I'd be more than happy if it happens in Rising. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, but other than that, I, I don't know what the, you know, I, I don't claim to know what's happening with the money team and the promotion and stuff like that. And nor do I know what Ryzen wants to do. Uh, I know from, from Ryzen's perspective, it took a lot of work to get this done. Um, it wasn't a situation where it was, you know, you're dealing with, with MMA fighters and MMA managers and, you know, guys that they're used to and girls that they're used to. This was a different beast. You know, when you're dealing with the number one pay-per-view draw in the world uh, or in history, it's a different beast. And, you know, Floyd will always say, I am the A-side. I will always be the A-side. Um, you know, his, his negotiations and his demands and whatever they may be, you know, they either have to be met or he doesn't show up. Very simple. So that's a very difficult uh, scenario to be on the B side uh, whenever you're dealing with Floyd Mayweather. So I don't know what would come from it. It'd be great if it happens again or something of that nature. But to my understanding, it's just one and done. Well, let's talk about the rest of this show. You had Kyuji Horiguchi, a big win for Ryzen. This is a good one. I have been heaping praise on Kyoji Horiguchi for, gosh, I feel like five, six years at this point. I was so excited when he came into the UFC and he got beat by Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, and a lot of people wrote him off. But, man, the guy right now is still just 28 years old, a fresh 28. It, since he debuted in the UFC, James, this guy's only lost one fight, and that's Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, who, oh, by the way, fighting in Asia now. Uh, so that that rematch becomes more of a probability with, with each passing day, especially when you see the likes of, uh, Bellator working with Ryzen and Floyd Mayweather working with Ryzen. You never know what can happen in this landscape. He just continues this tear. And Darian Caldwell, that's that's a big win. That is a big win. And not a lot of people will look at it as a big win because Darian Caldwell doesn't ring out to the casual fan and all that stuff. But this is a big win for Ryzen. It's a big one for Horiguchi. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And, uh, you, you know, you look at Caldwell, who fought at 45, coming down to fight at bantamweight, and you have Horiguchi, who's fought primarily as a flyweight. I mean, that that in itself is just crazy. And Caldwell's good. I mean, you look at the body of work he's had in Bellator, minus that one fight uh, he had where it was kind of like a momentary uh, lapse, which kind of is what happened in this fight. I mean, uh, you know, this is a good fight, but Caldwell, again, uh, you know, got has some holes on the ground for sure, and, and Horiguchi was able to exploit that. And, yeah, he is he is their guy. When I think of Ryzen, I think of Horiguchi. Um, I will disagree with you on one thing, though. I don't think we'll see Ryzen in one co-promote or anything. It's one thing with Bellator because it's kind of like their North American counterpart. But one to me, I look at them. I mean, Joe would have a better idea of this than I would. But to me, when I think of Ryzen, I think that one would be their competition. So I don't yeah. know if they would want to, uh, you know, sort of co-promote. But obviously, as a fan, as someone who's at the first fight between Johnson and Horiguchi live, I'd love to see that rematch. But uh, I, I don't know if it'll happen uh, just with the two promotions. Uh, yeah, I mean, I see one trying to compete on a global scale, even. I think one sees themselves as UFC's competition, even. I think that's how I, I, I see them. But with uh, Demetrius Johnson out of the UFC, he no longer has the champion clause, and he never, no longer has UFC doing everything they can to re-sign this guy and make sure he's under contract. I just think it's more of a possibility. I had the good fortune of seeing Horiguchi fight live at the uh, Cincinnati show in 2014. And I like you could just tell... This, this guy was what he was built up to be. Uh, in Ryzen, in particular, he, he's beaten everybody put in front of him, Joe. And now he's he's competing at Bantamweight and has, along the way, he is one of the best Bantamweight fighters in the world, in my estimation, Joe. He's up there. Uh, I'll tell you this. Um, I didn't see or hear anything. Scott Coker was there, uh, but I didn't have a chance to speak with him um, regarding this potential rematch of having... Horiguchi now go over to Bellator uh, and fight for Darian's title. I think it's going to happen. I don't know when. Uh, I don't know how it, what the logistics are going to be. Uh, but if it doesn't happen, I'll tell you what Horiguchi should do is he should ask for a rematch uh, with Tenshin Nasukawa in MMA. Give him an immediate title shot. Yep. You know that's what needs to happen. He lost the to Tenshin. Um, you know in, in an unbelievable fight. Uh, Can you know we had Peter Peter Ertz doing the commentary with us. Uh, and oh my God, that I spent a lot of time with Peter Ertz uh, this past weekend. Uh, that guy there is funny. He's, he's absolutely. That, I don't think you, you. He walks around with a smile twenty four seven. I think he smiles in his sleep. Um, he's just a cool cat, cool dude. But uh, I mean, that fight with Nasukawa, guys. Uh, if you've never seen it, was just ridiculous. It was just mayhem with those two guys going at each other uh, in kickboxing. So I'd like to see Horiguchi take him on in, in MMA now. Same thing that tension should be calling out Mayweather. Horiguchi should be calling out Nasukawa saying, I came to your world, now you come to mine. Let's get paid. I think they have two really good bankable stars in Nasukawa and Horiguchi. I mean, they're. I, I look at those two guys and I'm like, man, that, those are a couple, especially in that territory, to build around. Also, now both of these guys have some semblance of North American exposure. Because Nasakawa fought Mayweather and was against him in this this whole lead up, or Gucci because he spent time in the UFC. I think you couldn't couldn't do better than that. Caldwell, I thought, didn't do a whole lot in this fight, and I know that he wants a rematch in Bellator. I, I and I think there is a clause where he can get that, and if they can make that happen, why not? But he's going to have to be more active. It was not a good night on the MMA side for Americans. You had Johnny Case winning, which I, I will talk about on, on its own, but Brandon Halsey, former Bellator champion, beaten. Darren Crookshank, who is almost like Ryzen's Donald Cerrone at this point. Who, who you want to fight? Okay, cool. Throw him in there. That's what he does. 
Justin Scoggins beaten, Claire beaten. But uh, the one I particularly want to talk about off the top is uh, Matoya over Justin Scoggins. James, you spoke to Scoggins ahead of this fight. I love the interview. He talked about not uh, he had a fight scheduled for the UFC and they just cut him. He is yeah. a guy that is almost has always been the rap has been potential unfulfilled. And he got tapped out with a TP choke. I did not see that one coming. You didn't see it coming. All right. <laughs> I mean, if Matoya was on the ground, <laughs> sure. sure I didn't think that Scoggins was going to try to take Matoya down. The the, the 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 kryptonite in this guy's career has been the the, the lapses in fights. I mean, the, we've seen this time and time again. A fight that you know, not this isn't a good example, but um, you know, like like some of his fights where he's like actually winning and then he gets tapped out. It's just it's one of those things he has to fix. Um, I, I don't know what he has to do, hire a jujitsu coach or something, but there's there's some disconnect there because there. I mean, we have to look at the fact that you know he has some notable wins outside of this. He's got the win over Ray Borg. Um, you know, his rise in the UFC, it looked like his trajectory at a certain point was him going towards a title. And uh, he had that, you know, that close loss to Ortiz. But in general, I mean, this guy has he's he's been impressive at certain moments, but then he has a loss like this. And, you know, for, like if you look at this fight on paper, you're like, OK, first round loss. He got completely dominated. Like, really, like Scoggins is much more capable of what he's showing. And he's just got to fix that. I mean, some guys in the gym, they can they can put it on. But when they get in the cage, they they sometimes have lapses like this. And that is unfortunately still plaguing Justin Scoggins in his career. This is a, is a topic I bring up a lot, where where the time has passed, and it's no longer 2014. Justin Scoggins is still a 26-year-old, very young in the game, but I do remember when he was a pretty well-hyped 7-0 fighter coming into the UFC in a very young flyweight division where it looked like, okay, this guy can make some noise. He stepped in. He won two fights in a row. He lost two in a row, too, but those were to Ortiz and Moraga, and like I say, that, that happens. Came back, had a couple of good wins, but ever since then, it's been downhill. The last two years have been downhill for this guy, Joe. I was shocked that he went to the ground with Matoya. And that teepee choke was a thing of beauty. <laughs> thing of beauty. I was sitting there going, what, in this, what is Matoya doing here? I'm not understanding this. And I started looking at, you know, you and I have talked about this before. Um, James, long before you came onto the podcast as well, we used to talk about various submissions and especially with the, um, with the certification of the referee course that I did with big John, a choke is a choke. doesn't matter how you apply it. A choke is a choke. And while the TP choke was being set up and worked, I'm like, what is this guy doing with his legs? Like, what is this? I've never seen it before, but I'm paying now I'm paying close attention to where his legs are on the neck and what's happening behind his legs. And I'm like, Holy smokes, he's choking him out. This is awesome, right? So I'd never seen it before, but I was definitely blown away by um, by the submission. And again, like Sean just said, James, I don't know what Scoggins was doing going to the ground with him. I think he should have just kept it standing up. It wasn't you know, going his way 100%, but better chance up there than going to the ground. It didn't make much sense there. Now, I don't think that was a submission of the night, believe it or not. Um, but yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was pretty sick if you ask me. There was also a fantastic hammerlock submission from Miata. I love that. Go. Uh, I'm a big fan of the hammerlock. I think it is underutilized in MMA. Gabby Garcia won. Joe, you got anything on this? Come on. What what are we doing here? I didn't know what was going on with that fight there. To be Well, I, listen, I didn't know what was going on beforehand. I would assume Barbara would have no intentions whatsoever of, of allowing Gabby Garcia to get anywhere near her. If you're a kickboxer and you want to knock out a grappler, don't let her near you. And she didn't have any sort of sense of urgency. She came into this fight specifically saying, 
whether I get the finish or not, I, I could be happy if we go three rounds, doesn't matter, but I'm going to show my skill set. And I was like, no, no, Gabby Garcia is a very large human being. She's very strong. Stay away from her. Uh, and then afterwards, uh, the craziness that happened afterwards, I thought, I thought that was absolutely, I don't even think Gabby knew that was going on, to be honest with you. She was like, what's going on over here? But yeah, that, that was fun to say the least. One of my uh, favorite headlines that I saw was from news.com.au that says, Freak show in full swing as Gabby Garcia is ambushed by 54-year-old rival after another easy win, Joe. Yeah. I didn't know. I mean, it was just it, – it's hard for me to call that kind of stuff because you know me well enough. I don't – I'm not a – you know – I don't watch enough pro wrestling, let this alone is, Japanese pro wrestling, to know how to sort of stick handle this. And I'm like, just play along, Joe. Play along as best as you can. And I tried, but I didn't know what was going on. I actually thought it was kind of cool. Though. I, I, I did enjoy seeing it, you know, like, you know, 10 feet in front of me. I thought it was kind of funny. I thought it was actually kind of cool. But, um, you know, let's, let's hope that fight never really gets It, it works over there. I think yeah, it works. They for loved it. They absolutely loved it. I also want to talk about Johnny Case. James, this is a guy who I think has been criminally underrated for a long time. Maybe shouldn't have been cut from the UFC when he was, but he was taking so long in between fights. I mean, that's the thing. He fought once in 2016, once in 2017. They let him go after he started 4-0 in the UFC. Uh, he's been way more active in 2018. From March till this show, he fought four times, didn't get beat at all. His two UFC losses are his only losses since the end of 2010. So when he was booked, I thought, okay, let's maybe watch out for him. I think that he's criminally underrated based on a couple of losses to guys like Jake Matthews and Tony Martin. Uh, he ended up picking up the win here. What, what do you see in the future for Johnny Case, who is still a 29-year-old guy and got a solid win here? It was a great win. And I think it just speaks to the fact that I think this was someone the UFC let go a little bit early. Uh, like you said, relatively young. Um, you know, he switched things up, uh, you know, ahead of this camp. Uh, he's now living in Vegas. So he's dating uh, Emily Whitmire, the, uh, the UFC mm -hmm. fighter. Um, so they actually live together in Vegas. And what he does is he trains at Extreme Couture part of the time. And then he drives down to Phoenix or to Scottsdale, I should say, to train at the MMA lab. So he's, he's, he's part of both camps. So he's getting that advantage of having, you know, really good coaching, really good uh, sparring partner, stuff like that. And, and, you know, right now, as far as what, when I spoke to him before this fight, um, as far as I know, he's, he's under contract with Ryzen, but I believe he can, um, you know, they, they have to give him a certain amount of fights. So if he wants to go back and fight in PFL, he can as well too. But um, yeah, his stock couldn't be higher right now. I mean, this is a great year for him. I know he had that draw uh, against uh, Schulte in, in PFL, but Schulte ended up winning everything. So that looks even better at this point. And I think uh, he's going to have a really interesting 2019 with what's ahead. And the guys that beat him, uh, Jake Matthews, I know he's, he's a bit inconsistent at times, but he's won three of his last four fights. Rocco Martin has won six of seven. So he's losing to guys that are, are on the level, that, that are of decent caliber. Uh, Joe, what else stood out to you on this Ryzen show that maybe you thought of somebody to watch out for or was somebody, something just that, that was a spectacular view for you from ringside? Well, yeah, the submission uh, that Miyata put on uh, Ursin Yamamoto was pretty impressive. Um, obviously, Yuri Prohaska being caught in that guillotine by, by Brandon. Um, I talked to him afterwards at the hotel the morning after. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done 
which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. After we just, you know, I'm shooting the breeze and I said, he's like, you know, he, he apologized for the performance. I'm like, dude, you, not every fight's going to be fantastic, but you showed, like you said in your interview, you showed your Bushido spirit. Uh, that was absolutely fantastic. He's like, I said, you know, what was going through your mind? Because from where we were sitting, we thought it was almost done. Like, we're done. He's like, he goes, honestly, Joe, here's what went through my mind. I'm not going to tap. So what's next? So he was literally thinking prior to going unconscious, I'm not going to tap. What's next? And he figured out a way out and he emerged victorious. So, so good for him. A um, little surprised at the Kana Sakura fight. I thought she'd be do a much better job with Hamasaki. Yeah. But again, Hamasaki's experience is just ridiculous and, 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 and something to behold. Going back to Johnny Case for a second, who's probably now going to enter the Ryzen, or Ryzen Lightweight Tournament uh, this year. The guy that he beat, and we talked earlier on about you know, Ryzen having bankable stars, guys. You know, obviously with Horiguchi and Nasukawa, Yusuke Yachi was a guy that many of us had tagged and said, you know what, this is a guy that could show uh, the world that Japanese lightweights are, are, are damn good, are damn good. And, you know, there's a bankable star right there. There's a huge mainstream storyline about, um, you know, obviously being with uh, the Crazy B team and the connection with Kid Yamamoto and stuff like that. His hair, that's a big story in the mainstream media, believe it or not, that he should cut his hair, his hair gets in the way. Um, yeah, Johnny Case took care of that real quick. So it's a matter <laughs> of, you know, what's going to happen with Yusuke Yachi right now. Uh, I don't think Justina Haba's getting credit. Uh, she took out, you know, Shinju Nuclear or Eau Claire, excuse me. And, and it was a devastating fashion. I mean, if you're looking at Instagram and you're seeing, uh, Juju's posts, that left eye is not looking good. And, you know, Justina coming into this fight, we all, or sorry, Justina coming into this fight or she was walking her way to the, to the ring. I thought it was like a whole Carla Esparza thing. Nervous, doesn't look right, blah, blah. Oh, hell no. Did she do real good? And, of course, you know, Manel Cape, not being Manel Cape, the full fight, and allowing Ulka Sasaki to go in there uh, and earn a unanimous judge's decision victory. So good on Ulka for, for getting a victory. Had a good time with him. We actually sat on the bus. The bus was packed on the way back to the hotel, guys. But uh, uh, Ulka Sasaki and I were able to share a seat with, you know, Ray Longo, thankfully not chirping me. Because uh, I was trying to sleep, but uh, yeah, he, I like Sasaki. He's a good guy, uh, and that blonde hair was absolutely epic. He made uh, Sean Rossap look like he was bald. So, uh, cool. uh, Hamasaki is criminally underrated, oh. and may- maybe some of it has to do with her age. But you look at her resume; it's like for a woman who fights in Japan, it's they, they just throw everybody they can at her, and it doesn't matter. And even in Invicta, she had a really nice run that that led up to that that Sousa fight. I thought and. She is just she is very very underrated. They could do a lot worse than having her as super atomweight champion. Uh, have you heard anything about how Rain is doing? No, uh, I, I think there's more into that than than what we may have been led to believe. Uh, you know, she she did have problems making the weight, uh, but I can tell you after the posts were made uh, of her in the hospital and showing all that, I mean that that's not something you should be doing. Um, you know, I don't think there was really good communication. Uh, and this is just hearsay, okay? I'm not saying it's fact. Um, I don't think there was good communication between her camp and Ryzen as to what was happening and blah, blah. Uh, and let's be honest, she's a shoot fighter, okay? Uh, and we all know 1FC is looking for talent. Let's not kid ourselves. Don't, I mean, 1FC is not dumb. Uh, if they can grab some talent from Ryzen that Ryzen's been building, they'll do it. Uh, and vice versa. If Ryzen can do the same thing with 1FC, why not, right? So I think there's a lot at play when you start looking at a lot of these Japanese fighters or Asian fighters or close to Japan and where 1FC is and stuff like that, I think we're going to see, I think 2019 is going to see a lot of politics 
between both promotions. Um, I, I think it's going to be great either way, uh, as long as, you know, the fighters get paid and, and people are having a good time. Obviously, I've got to wear my Ryzen t-shirt and my Ryzen hat, but, um, you know, we'll see what's going to happen. I, I honestly don't know much about Rain. I can, I can tell you this. I know she's doing okay. Uh, but what leading up to this fight here, she was supposed to kick off the main card. Uh, and a lot of people were definitely looking forward to seeing her compete, not just, the, you know, those that pay tickets, but just in general that, that have become, excuse me, Reina fans. It's unfortunate it didn't take place. Um, you know, the whole time we were there, we were told she's okay. She's okay. Everything is going to be fine, but it would have been great to see her compete. That's for sure. You know, I enjoy calling her fights. I love, I love the whole, um, ambience that she brings, uh, to the ring. So it sucks. It didn't happen, but. Cross my fingers. Hopefully in April, uh, she'll be on the card and we'll take it from there. Great rising show. We were very fortunate to have Joe who was, who was there and uh, we will definitely accommodate the Fightful MMA podcast so we can get this type of insight from Joe uh, in the future. We also had UFC 232. Now, James, you and I filmed our show probably, I don't know, probably a couple days before this John Jones news launched that in an atypical finding. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah. Well, James, what was your initial reaction to to hearing this and hearing, oh, well, they're just going to move the entire show? Yeah, not again. That's, you know, I mean, it's anytime John Jones fights, there's always something that surrounds it. And, uh, you know, part of me wasn't surprised, but the other part of me is like, like, uh, seriously, we got to do this. Um, I liked Ariel Hawani's idea, actually. I want to give him credit here. Um, he wanted to do, he said what they should have done was kept the card in Vegas and then move John's fight to, to the form and just have that uh, in a match, like w- without any fighters, like they did with Mankind and The Rock. Remember when they <laughs> fought uh, years ago at the Royal Run? They should have just done that. That would have made yeah. more sense. Because that way you don't impact the fighters. No one has to move. And I get that, yeah, if you're paying for a ticket, you're not going to see John Jones. But they should have just had it on the big screen after the Cyborg fight. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, just disappointing. And you know what? Like, uh, we haven't, I guess we haven't talked since uh, since that fight took place. Like, that that sort of had a cloud over that fight, unfortunately. Like, I, obviously, John winning and, and winning in the way he did, getting the finish was great. But it, it kind of it felt sort of um, anticlimactic, I guess is the best way to put it. Like it just having all this surround the fight, it, we didn't even really get to appreciate John getting the finish or you know his game plan or any of that. It just it kind of ruined it for me, to be honest. It did put a damper on things, and let's talk about the fight. John Jones defeats Alexander Gustafson in much easier fashion than he did five years ago. And what I mentioned to you, James, is I was not plugged into the inside of MMA or anything five years ago. But even I was hearing John Jones isn't training for this fight. John Jones doesn't isn't taking it seriously. I, I don't know if he did or not for this one. Uh, ironically, I've not heard anything. But he had a much easier time this go around. Joe, what did you think of John Jones' performance against Alexander Gustafson? And now this light heavyweight division is wide open because one Daniel Cormier vacated his title ahead of time as opposed to uh, I wasn't overwhelmed with John's performance. Uh, I did like the finishing technique, how he trapped the right arm underneath Alexander as he stabilized position. I do like his explanation after in the post-fight interview, um, how they believed uh, and what they saw was if you keep Alexander Gustafson down for 30 seconds, chances are you can keep him down for as long as you want. Uh, I did like the technique John was using. I'm, again, I wasn't overwhelmed at all by the performance. Nothing really stood out to me to say, oh, wow, what a great fight. I was there for the fight obviously in Toronto back then when they first competed. Uh, this one was, again, underwhelming in terms of just how it all went down. Uh, I, I, I do want to ask you guys a quick question regarding 
the lead up to this fight. Oh, sorry, uh, Sean, to answer your question about the division now, John is the champ, and you know what do you do with Daniel Cormier? I don't know if Daniel Cormier is going to want to take this fight, although the payday uh, would be substantial. And it, just that little inkling inside him of, of I can beat this guy, and man, would this be the best retirement fight ever? Forget Brock Lesnar. Well, probably not. It's another payday right there. Uh, but if possible, you know, I mean, do people want to see DC versus Brock Lesnar or John Jones uh, versus Brock Lesnar? That that's the real question uh, at this point in time. So it'd be, it'd be nice to see if. if DC can figure this out. I don't know if he's going to really want to do it because even in his tweet afterwards, of course he's going to win. The guy's always got a head start, right? Um, you know, I, I totally get that. Uh, and by the way, when I said shocking beforehand, two things were shocking: a, a craziness with John Jones' fight in general before or after, and b, whenever Fightful or Sean or someone does uh, a damn podcast, we record it, we get it done, we go live, we're done. Something John Jones happens. I mean, it's almost like we shouldn't be doing John Jones uh, podcasts until the day of the fight. And even that would be too late. So, um, But I do want to ask you guys a quick question. If you guys had a chance to – I don't think Sean's a big fan of Brendan Schaub. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah like you are? Stuff. I, or, or is it some of our, our followers, like on the chat or just in uh, yeah, general? Yeah, some of our followers aren't. Okay, so I, I, when, I, when I was leaving for the um, – when I was waiting for the, the, the ride to the airport, I actually had a chance to watch uh, and listen to Brendan Schaub's uh, two-part series talking about you know, Dana White and Jeff Nowitzki and the whole John Jones scenario. I don't know if you guys had a chance uh, to watch it as well. And I was kind of like, damn, I think Brendan's making some good points here. Oh, boy. Wow. Did you guys have a chance to see it? I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I, I haven't heard what Brendan had to say, but I, I caught, obviously, Nowitzki on, on Rogan. And, uh, yeah, it didn't didn't come across very well. Ooh, yeah. Oh, he goes in and he just – I'm not saying he blasts. Nowitzki, but he's like, look, this is the same guy, uh, you know, obviously the Lance Armstrong can't stand. He went through Lance Armstrong's garbage to get this, find that, blah, blah. He was the crusader, uh, you know, for anti-performance enhancing drugs, but now he's an employee of the UFC. It's a different ball game altogether. And he went on about how, you know, what just happened to John Jones is the exact same thing that happened to Frank Mir, but Frank Mir got suspended for two years Whereas John Jones, you know, had his fight moved. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, whoa, okay. And so I, I I definitely enjoyed that. You know, if anyone gets a chance after this podcast, please uh, take a look at it. Yeah, you might be surprised. Especially you two guys. I think you guys would, would you know, be interested. To, I'd like to know your opinions afterwards. It'd be fantastic. Yeah, that is a fascinating aspect. There, there are just so many issues, and we've, we've broken them down on previous videos, but the atypical finding and the, the likelihood of something remaining in the system. I've had some people reach out to me and speculate. Uh, maybe John's taking check drops, which you all can kind of look in at, and it, there's all kinds of theories here. And Oh, oh Sean, I, I spoke with Luke about it. Uh, Luke oh, yeah. Bernardi, if you remember Luke. Um, yeah. James, I don't know if you ever saw the podcast with Luke Bernardi, uh, he, he's, you know, he's trained some MMA fighters, but he's involved, he's been involved with the bodybuilding industry forever. Uh, and the one thing, um, you know, I, I've been accused of many times, I don't have the steroid eye. I can't see, I don't know if someone's on steroids. I believe they've trained hard and blah, blah, and well, I, cover you some pro wrestling. You'll develop it. Yes. That's a good point. <laughs> but I talked to Luke and he said, look, man, what John has been accused of taking. And again, what, what's, what he's been flagged for. That stuff is in and out of your system within 48 hours, in and out of your system within 48 hours. And if you do get caught, it is small trace amounts. And I was like, ah, damn. 
Really? Okay. There's always the, the very rare, rare chance that something gets caught on your liver. Chael Sonnen's talked about that. And Chael Sonnen is, has, I think, become a re- really good analyst on this stuff because he's very transparent. I think his quote was, my juice concentrate was higher than Tropicana in my fight with John Jones. Like he's very, very transparent about, about his use. So all these takes are very interesting. Uh, hopefully we learn more and hopefully John isn't, hopefully John isn't on anything, but it, it just seems a little too coincidental to me that one of the all time biggest pieces of shit people in MMA also happens to have the world's worst luck with PEDs. I don't know how I feel about that. I know how I feel about the co-main event because James, I am now blocked by zero UFC champions on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) All due respect. And I know that Chris Cyborg would not have blocked me personally. It's a terrible management. This fight, Amanda Nunes now a double champion. She has wins over arguably the greatest 125 pounder of all time. The next best 135 pounder of all time. And how about this one, guys? Every other UFC and Bellator featherweight champion of all time, Amanda Nunes has beaten. Uh, dare I say, Amanda Nunes is the greatest UFC women or the greatest fighter or M- women's MMA fighter ever. She certainly has a resume to match it. But uh, to steal another line from Chael Sonnen, this makes you ask: Just how good is Valentina Shevchenko? Because Shevchenko arguably beat this woman. There's for for all the answers or the questions that were answered, we've got a whole new set of questions, I think. And that, that's what I love about MMA. We have this situation. James, well, what did you think when you saw this? Amanda Nunes face planning somebody. I mean, my God, we, we saw uh who was it? Betch Cohea get face planted on a straight out of Compton logo. Cyborg got face planted straight out of Englewood last weekend. Yeah, this was definitely the highlight of the card. And I was actually with a group of friends watching. So to, to be able to, you know, see that fight and have everyone sort of get up and, and jump, it was, it was, it was pretty incredible. Um, you know, this, this to me is just, uh, you know, what she was able to do. Not just, it's just the fact that like Nunez has done this to so many other fighters, like get that quick win and to do it against Cyborg, who hasn't lost in whatever, 14 years or something like that. It, it's just incredible. And I think it really just speaks volumes to, you know, what she's been able to do at American Top Team. Uh, you know, you saw her coaches after the fight, you saw Dan Lambert come in there as well. Well, um, yeah, just a great moment for women's MMA. And I think, again, putting more eyeballs, um, you know, on the division, uh, which is good because I had Cyborg one. I mean, what what was next after this? Uh, you know, th- there really wasn't many options. Now you have Nunes here. It really opens things up a little bit. And uh, I, I just think, yeah, it was, you know, what a year that her and Nina Ansaroff have had, you know, both big underdogs and both coming through here in their last fights. So it's uh, just great to see. And to me, this is, this has got to be one of the stories of the year, if not the story of the year, her getting this win and, you know, making history being uh, the first double champion in uh, UFC women's history. About this since April, 2016, Nunez and Ansaroff are 10 and 0 combined. Yeah. And we're not talking like scrubs that Ansaroff is beating. She just beat Claudia Gedalia. And you could say that she should be riding a five fight winning streak right now. Uh, Cause that Justine Keish fight was hers. She deserved to win that fight. Uh, they should be 11 and 0 since like, I think roughly January of that year. And in no, in that division, there's no way that you win five fights in a row and don't get a title shot. So I, if I'm UFC, I would consider putting answer off in that title discussion. You could do a lot worse than the story of an engaged couple in the UFC 
holding championships or at least having that. Joe, your your thought who who they who do they got for Nunez? They're gonna have to track down Kayla Harrison or something. Yeah, one forty five. Sure. One fifty five. Let's do one fifty five. You don't I, need a division, apparently. No, not for her. Open weight, right? Uh, I, I don't believe she's ten and zero. She's nine and one. Um, Valentina Shevchenko beat her in the last fight. Um, so with all this talk, again, it goes back to recency bias. Uh, I think every human being is is, is guilty of it. But the bottom line is the body of work uh, that Amanda Nunes has put together has been absolutely fantastic. But in my opinion, there will always be an asterisk. Uh, with the rematch with Valentina Shevchenko. In my opinion, uh, on my scorecards, uh, it was almost painfully obvious Valentina won that fight. Um, so is Amanda Nunes the GOAT? Potentially, yeah, but there's an asterisk. That asterisk is Valentina Shevchenko because I believe they're one and one. What sucks is if they were to have a rematch, and who knows, I think they may have a rematch, I'm oh, sorry, uh, a trilogy fight. Should Shevchenko win that fight, on paper, she's still two and one. She's lost two and defeated her once. But in my opinion, if we're gonna, ha- if we have to make the pick as to who is the goat in in, in women's MMA, Amanda Nunes right now is the goat. Um, you can still make the argument that Chris Cyborg was, uh, even though she did come off with this loss here. Uh, but you know, if if we're if we're look if we're you know nitpicking, I still believe Valentina Shevchenko uh, defeated her and should have her right to, to compete with her again. Um, and sort of right the wrong that it was. But Amanda Nunes is absolutely borderline ridiculous with her striking. And she brought the pain to Chris Cyborg. And I, I was, you know, Cyborg didn't backpedal. Cyborg didn't use her footwork. Cyborg's ego got in the waiver and says, you can't hit me that hard. I'm going to knock you out. I just need to land. And when she got rocked, it was it was too difficult for her to realize Ooh, I got to some way, somehow, uh, either clinch with this woman, get her down to the mat, or put her up against the cage and get these cobwebs out of my head and not go toe-to-toe with her because she does bring a lot of power, uh, Cyborg does, right? But um, what Amanda did to Misha Tate, rearranging her nose, what Amanda did to um, uh, Ronda Rousey, silencing that freight train real quick, crashing that one, and then doing this to Chris Cyborg can never be overlooked. I mean, Amanda Nunes... Her striking again. She shows. She throws that. Her jab is almost like a hook, and her cross is almost like a, a, a half cross, half overhand. You know what I'm saying? It's very difficult to defend. If you look closely at how she throws both those punches, it's very difficult to defend either way. And and you know, I guess you can try and prepare for it. But man, once she's in front of you and and, and that lioness starts going off, I'm sure it's not that easy, man. And by the way, guys, at Titan events, when she shows up. She runs the show. No one from American Top Team can compare to her. She runs the venue, guaranteed. Trust me, been there. I I often talk about how Holly Holm looked like she was always preparing for Ronda Rousey. I've also mentioned how Cyborg, once it became a possibility that she was going to face Ronda Rousey, started to put people at the end of her punches and didn't lose any power as a result because you, whether or not you're confident in your skill set, you don't want to clinch with Ronda Rousey. Amanda Nunez is very good at that. And we saw Amanda Nunez employ that after she baited Cyborg into being the old Cyborg that would get tapped once and then get a little bit reckless, I thought, I don't know how much of that was a game plan and how much of that was reactionary, but Amanda Nunes played it perfectly. And uh, I think she would have had a challenger ready had Kat Zingano beaten Megan Anderson. But here we are, we have Alexander Gustafson, title challenger losing, Cyborg champion losing. 
Carlos Condit, a former champion, losing. Chad Mendez, title challenger, losing. Arlovsky, former champion, losing. Kat Zingano, title challenger, losing. BJ Penn, a former great, losing. Uh, the Megan Anderson-Kat Zingano fight was controversial. The Ryan Hall, BJ Penn fight, a little bit expected. The Volkanovsky, Chad Mendez thing is the blueprint on Chad Mendez. He gets exhausted after exerting a lot of energy on takedowns and hates pressure. Condit didn't look any younger than he ever has, but uh, was able to get out of a couple situations. What of these former champions and challengers and the subsequent defeats that they experienced in some cases stood out to you the most, James? Uh, well, I mean, there's so much to unpack here. I think uh, as far as Condit, I just think he, he can't compete on, a, on on any sort of level at this point. I don't know. Some some fighters, they, they get to that plateau and uh, just sort of downhill from there. Uh, not to take anything away from Chiesa, who I thought looked way better at welterweight than lightweight. Um, you know, you've got Chad Mendez. I think with Mendez too, you know, the layoff, getting up there in age, he's taken a lot of damage too. I mean, Mendez has been knocked up by McGregor and some other fighters as well. So, uh, you know, big step setback for him. And it sounds like based off everything he said is that this is it for him. He's retiring, uh, which is kind of disappointing. I think we'd like to see him maybe switch weight classes or something like that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the, the Megan, and- I mean, the problem with the Megan Anderson fight and the Katzengano fight is that we still don't know enough about Megan Anderson because it just, it was one of those, you know, things that just happened. I mean, Kat got her eye sliced and, uh, you know, it ended real quick and I, I don't think you can take anything away from that matchup because it was just one of those things that these guys if they fought again we'd have a better indication of where both of them uh skill wise are but it's just it's one of those things that happened the cat got caught she couldn't fight fights over um and then as far as Penn, i mean you know he's he's getting up there in age um you know i don't think it was anything too surprising uh that he got submitted which i know he hadn't been before but uh in the ufc but uh none, nonetheless um you know hall gets the win and good for hall he can you know move on and, and use this uh to you know go on to bigger and better things Joe, I want your thoughts uh, on the Megan Anderson, Kadzingano thing. A lot of people were crying DQ, no contest. I don't see it. That's a completely legal tactic from my understanding. Uh, What are your thoughts on this? Who the hell said DQ or no contest? Lots of people. Lots of people. The strike was thrown with intention to knock her opponent out. It's a high kick. Yeah. It just so happened that the toe graze the eye and cut her eye fight over i agree that's fight it over simple now do you want to run it back yeah sure. let's run it back sure yeah. we can run it back because you know we would you know james i'm sure would understand that we would rather see a head kick knockout mm-hmm. than a slice of the eye but the strike was thrown with intention and i, I got into a bit of a discussion with uh, some of the people on the bus at Ryzen uh discussing that you know it's no different than an eye poke an eye poke comes with your fingers. You can't purposely eye poke with your toe. Yeah. Okay. You have much more eye hand coordination to poke somebody in their eye as opposed to eye foot coordination to poke someone in their eye. That was a head kick that was thrown. It was thrown with bad intentions. It just so happened that the distance was quote unquote incorrect, but the toe went into the eye and caused damage. Fear, fight over. She could not continue. That's what, that's what happens when you fight. There may be techniques that stop you. This was, happens to be a technique that stopped her. Now, no contest is, is a bunch of BS. Disqualification is a bunch of BS. Okay, Run it back. It was 61 seconds long. James Lynch wants to know more about Megan Anderson, as too. does you know, Sean Ross Sapp. So do I. We want to know more. Let's run this one back. We'll call it an accident. Give them the rematch. I have no problem with that. But to say that 
uh, this should be a no contest or disqualification. Come on, man. It's a punch or it was a kick that was thrown with bad intentions to knock out or hurt her opponent, which is exactly what it did. James, uh, what else stood out to you on this show? A lot of things. Uh, I thought Montel Jackson looked good kicking off the card, uh, really showing that he's a bright prospect. Uh, I don't think anyone's uh, taken O'Brien Kelleher that quickly. Uh, that, that's, that's been very impressive. Um, I thought Uriah Hall somehow, I mean, he is the weirdest guy in terms of his career. Uh, he's losing this fight, and then out of nowhere, he knocks out Bavon Lewis, hands him his first loss. Uh, big win for Hall, still relevant, but again, just so inconsistent. This is a good win for him, but don't be surprised if his next fight he loses. It's just sort of the way his career is going. I really like Nathaniel Wood at 135. Uh, he looked great against Andre uh, you know, really, uh, they're really high on him, it seems. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see him get a veteran next. Uh, we talked about Hall. Peter Yan's another bantamweight I'm very impressed with. Uh, fight I'd like to see him have, uh, just, you know, that sort of came to mind because this was a dominant win. Uh, I'd like to see him and Rob Font. I know maybe the rankings, it doesn't work out that way. But, uh, you know, Font has, has been a little inconsistent as well, usually when he gets that step up. So give him a, a rising prospect in Yan and let's see how he does there. And then uh, Walt Harris, uh, worst fight on the card, but he gets it done, gets the split over Arlovsky. Yeah. I, I I would imagine this is it for Orlovsky here, but uh, you know, for Harris, uh, this is a big win for him taking out a former UFC champion. Joe, after the, the show, Dana White was asked about Brock Lesnar. He says that he thinks that Brock leverages UFC and WDB against one another. Of course he does. Why wouldn't he? Especially when you have Dana White saying, well, we're not going to wait on him, but he's definitely in the mix, even though he hasn't fought in two and a half years. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Brock Lesnar? He has a match coming up in a few weeks at the Royal Rumble. It is WrestleMania season. Daniel Cormier says he wants to retire in March. Dana White doesn't want him to retire for three more fights. There are a lot of moving pieces here, but um, you think we see Brock Lesnar fight this year? Well, whenever, you know, you and I have talked about it before where there's smoke, there's fire, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think that, you know, don't, don't worry about Dana White. Dana White has a, a specific job to do as a promoter, and that, and that deals with money. That's, you know, to, to maximize, well, for the most part, to maximize the revenue he can generate from the athletes that are on his roster. Hence the reason he doesn't want DC to go anywhere because DC potentially has at least two fights or two options in, in Brock Lesnar and John Jones. Two big fights. Two big fights that people will tune in to watch. Because uh, I think the 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 listing on John Jones that a lot of people want to see him lose now. They really want to see him lose, and others that are, are in favor of him really want to see him destroy the competition, especially be it Brock Lesnar. In terms of Brock Lesnar potentially coming over and Brock Lesnar playing the you know UFC against the WWE and vice versa, oh hell yeah, that's what's called negotiations. You have to when you have the ability to put another iron in the fire, you use it. It's when you don't have that iron in the fire that you've got to sort of be careful how you negotiate because you could end up losing. Brock Lesnar can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. So kudos to Brock Lesnar. If he can get uh, maximum paydays, you know, he's not getting any younger. So if he can get maximum paydays with, with you know, what he's doing right now, do it, man. By all means, do it. I don't hate the guy. Got to get paid, right? No matter how much money he's already made, if you can get paid more, get paid more, right? So with Dana White, all depends. I don't want to see DC leave anytime soon, but again, He's not getting any younger, and you know I, I'm, we should all be paying close attention uh, to what he wants to do because he deserves a massive payday as well. A reminder, guys, FightfulMMA.com. We're working to get up news more often, faster, all that stuff. Your recommendations for uh, content, always accepted. Leave us a thumbs up on this video. We are on podcast platforms everywhere. So make sure you all leave a thumbs up, subscribe. I, I understand we have a community of Discus users that are going to join us on the site soon. Want to welcome them. Uh, get on those uh, articles, comment, let us know your thoughts. I always want to hear your thoughts. Anytime I see any comments, I look at them. I usually reply to them uh, on the site. 
James, you can be followed at Lynch on Sports. Tell them what you got going on this week. Uh, I'm just sort of getting the wheels spinning right now, uh, getting some stuff lined up over the next couple of days for interviews. I was off. I couldn't work. It was kind of a bummer. It was good to see family, but uh, definitely excited to get back into the fray. And uh, yeah, I start my year off uh, pretty strong. Lot, lots to, even though we don't have a UFC card until the 19th and there's this big gap, there's still a lot of MMA stuff going on. So uh, just follow me on Twitter and uh, find all my updates. Yeah, there are, there are virtual picograms of UFC events over the next <laughs> coming weeks. Uh, Joe, what you got going on? Trying to survive, trying to make sure that it, it you know, I, I do realize that today's Thursday and it's 3.03 p.m. Eastern. So I'm trying to get my body and my mind understanding that, you know, use your calendar, which I do all the time. But, uh, you know, same old, same old, just work, work, work. And so glad to be home with my family and, you know, get to see my boys uh, play soccer. Uh, on Saturday, we got our game, first game uh, since the holidays. So, uh, yeah, same old, same old. And, of course, paying very, very close attention uh, to what Ryzen will be doing with this lightweight tournament. Uh, or Grand Prix sort of thing. And I, I'm paying a lot of attention to what's happening with this whole John Jones, USADA, uh, Daniel Cormier, uh, and all that jazz. But I am looking forward to the next UFC because uh, will that will that officially be the end of the 125-pound division? So looking forward to talking about that next week. Uh, as we wrap up, because I promised our viewers we would do it every week, let's take a quick look at the rankings. This shouldn't take too long. I'll project them here. Uh, the changes are a plenty in pound for pound. Jones moves up one. He was not happy about that, not being number one. Habib pushed down one spot. Amanda Nunez up six spots at pound for pound. Cyborg down four. You see the movement around here. James, what do you think of Nunez's placement and Jones's lack of number one ranking? I think Nunes' placement is 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 good. Um, you know, I think that she's uh, you know she's she's earned her spot. And I think as far as Jones, um, yeah, it's it's tough because we don't we don't have the answers. I mean, technically, he still fought. He he got the win. Um, I don't know. I, I think anytime you want to take the rankings too seriously, you're probably going on a fool's errand. But uh, to me, it's just uh, it's not surprising. Peter Jan moves up to number fourteen in the bantamweight division with his win. But in the lightweight division, Joe, Volkanovsky up six spots. He is now tied at number four in the featherweight rankings. Mendez down three. This pushes down Josh Emmett one. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of this? Volkanovsky, uh, that's a big leap. And in a division where it's not easy to crack that top three with Ortega, Aldo, and Edgar there. Yeah, I don't think a, a victory over Chad Mendez should put him up there. Uh, but kudos to him. I mean, after that performance against Chad, it's like, this dude doesn't go away. Like, holy jeez, man. He just kept coming and going and going and going. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, he just fought a name. I'd like to see him fight uh, some more names now. I think he does deserve it. I just don't know if I like the ranking position right now. We see a lot of people moving up and down. Nate Diaz finally out of the damn rankings. But James Vick up to number nine at lightweight. Or actually, Nate Diaz isn't out of the rankings. James Vick up uh, to number nine. You have Hernandez, Trinaldo, Hooker, Felder all moving up one spot. Gregor Gillespie, Islam Makachev uh, all in the lightweight rankings, but no real movement there, just some removals that, that caused all this. That's because uh, Chiesa was moved to the welterweight rankings. He is not ranked uh, due to his Condit win. James, I think that's the right call. It is, yeah. We need to see more of him at 170, and uh, once once he gets uh, notable, he wants Neil Magny next. If he beats him, absolutely should be in the top 15. Uriah Hall moves up a spot over Elias Theodoro. I disagree with this, not just because I like Elias, Joe, but because Uriah Hall has won like two fights in five years. I was seeing your tweets uh, about Uriah Hall uh, regarding this fight here. I haven't had a chance to watch the fight. I do know the result. 
but yeah, I mean, Uriah Hall needs some sort of consistency before uh, I begin to take him seriously again. He's still great. He's still fantastic. He's an absolute killer. Just got to be consistent, right? Daniel Cormier, John Jones swap spots in the light heavyweight rankings. Corey Anderson up four spots to number six. He is tied with Tiago Santos, who moves up one. Uh, Ozdemir moves up one spot. We had Latifi falling four because of that loss to Corey Anderson. Jimmy Manuel falls uh, one spot as well. James, what do you think about Anderson cracking this top six? Yeah, it's deserved. I mean, that was a big one over Latifi, who uh, was on his way to a title shot. It looked, and uh, this this definitely definitely helps. But I I don't have any issues with the rankings. It's actually funny you mentioned this because I I was talking about the Anderson. I was talking about the, you know who should fight for the title next, and obviously Corey Anderson's campaigning for it. And like people on Twitter, man, friggin' someone tags Corey Anderson in an in an argument, you know, saying that he deserves the next shot. Now Corey Anderson's coming after me on Twitter because I said Anthony Smith deserves it over him, which I you know I still stand he by. Does. He's got finishes. Um, you know, he's, he's fought, I, I granted Shogun and Rashad are on the tail end of their career, but he finished them and then he finishes Volkan Ozemir, the number two guy. He should be ranked ahead. So, um, you know, I, I, I agree with the rankings, but Corey Anderson clearly doesn't. Jennifer Maya moves up to number 11 without fighting. Uh, <laughs> Ashley Evan Smith, Borella and Andrea Lee. Uh, Betch Kohea falls one spot without fighting, which I think is completely appropriate. <laughs> but then at heavyweight, as we wrap things up, by the way, no women's featherweight rankings or even lack thereof. There's no listing for them. That's worth noting. We'll talk about that uh, at some other time. But Walt Harris, Joe, he beat Andre Arlovsky, who never beats anybody these days, and is now number 13. At least he's above Arlovsky. Any thoughts on that? No, absolutely no thoughts. I mean, it was, it was one of those fights where I was like, I'll just end. Come on, guys. Well, the Fightful MMA podcast will end. Leave us a thumbs up, subscribe, hit up FightfulMMA.com. Until next time, we're out.